But now we say hi to James Marsh. Good afternoon. What's cooking? How are you doing? It's cold, wet and miserable. Oh, it's horrible out there. It's really... You know what I mean? Anyway, yeah, let's nasty. cheer ourselves up, shall we? All the more reason to either stay indoors or get indoors and watch some movies. Yay! Uh, yeah, no, we've got we've got a lot of things out uh, this week. Uh, Palm Springs finally out in Hong Kong. Yep. Run way down. No, I think we're one of the first places in the world to get way down. Uh, there's also a Korean uh, rom. Ro- is it rom com? Is it just a rom? It's a rom com ensemble uh, called New rom-com Year Blues. Rom com ensemble. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, rom com. Yeah, very good. <laughs> yes. Wonderful. That, anyway. Um, <laughs> already more entertaining than the film. However, we should probably start by uh, looking back at uh, Monday's Golden Globe Ooh, yes. winners. Go on then. Which is like, you know, it's it's a weird show. It's a weird uh, body of people who, who vote for them. However, you, you cannot but look at them and think, how are these going to uh, react uh, in fa- in influence the Oscars. Uh, Oscar nominations come out on the fifteenth of March, so probably people are already voting or just about to vote or deep, deep, deep in screeners. Obviously, everything's happening a lot later this year. If you want to follow this, it's dead easy. Sorry, James, it's dead easy. Golden Globes, one word. Dot com. I've got that in front of me now. Join us on Facebook Live and tell us if you think it was a complete fix, or deservedly so, or whatever. It's just goldenglobes.com. Sorry, off you go. Yeah, um, the, yeah. The Golden Globes always gets a lot of flack because it's made up of a body of eighty-seven foreign journalists who are based in Los Angeles who report on the film industry for the overseas market, and right. uh, they are a notoriously sort of out of touch bunch. Uh, it was it was noted this year that there are still no black members of the uh, FPA or well, the HFPA, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Um, so they were taking some criticism, but even by the presenters, by the hosts, Tina Fey and uh, Amy Poehler were hosting it again. Uh, it, this is the show that often Ricky Gervais hosts it, and whenever he does, he just rips everybody apart. But obviously, the the show itself was a little bit different this year. It was yeah. all done remotely. Even not even the two hosts were in the same city. Um, However, okay, so I mean, but beyond all of that, uh, looking at the winners, uh, Nomadland, Chloe Zhao's uh, sort of American drama, which did creep into my top ten last year, and is far and away the sort of the runaway. You can say it again. You said it first here on Morning Brew. I I was far from the first person to say it. It's um it's been almost universally lauded. Yeah, uh, and it's probably going to go on and win the Oscar. Uh, uh, it did make a little bit of history because Chloe Zhao, who's a Beijing-born filmmaker who's been plying her trade in the US uh, for her entire career, pretty much, uh, was named Best Director. It's only the f- second time a woman has ever been named Best Director at the Golden Globes, first woman of colour to do so. Uh, so she's breaking breaking down barriers there, which is great. And so she is now odds-on favourite to win the Oscar. She would be only the second woman ever to win the Oscar for Best Directing after Catherine Bigelow, should that happen. Um, now, the Golden Globes also divide some of their awards between uh, drama and musical comedy. So Best Film, for example, Nomadland won Best Drama. Mm. Best Musical Comedy went to Borat's <laughs> subsequent movie film. Well, let's look at the other ones in the run there, because there's some interesting little pieces, mm-hmm. aren't there? In fact, one of them you're going to talk about later. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Palm Springs. Mm. Palm Springs was in, was in the running, uh, as was uh, the star Andy Samberg was up for Best uh, Actor 
in a musical comedy. And I think Palm Springs might have a shot at a Best Original Screenplay nomination when we get to Oscar time. Yeah. It's been... I think it was quite a surprise that it's done as well as it has, but it, it's great. It, it, that was also in my top ten last year, Palm Springs. I liked it far more than I expected to, actually. Um, and it's great that that's finally going to be on... Uh, is in cinemas now, in Hong Kong right now. Well, oh, okay. Um, Sasha, should be noted, Sasha Baron Cohen also won Best Actor in a Musical Comedy for Borat. Uh, he was nominated in two categories. He was also nominated in Best Supporting Actor for uh, The Trial of the Chicago 7. Uh, he lost out to Daniel Kaluuya uh, for his portrayal of Fred, Fred Hampton, Black Panther's uh, general uh, in uh, Judas and the Black Messiah which hasn't opened in Hong Kong yet, but I have seen, and it is very good, and he's far and away the best thing in it. Uh, so that bodes well. Daniel Kaluuya, obviously everybody knows from Get Out, more than anything else, British actor. And so that bodes well for his Oscar chances. I think people, you know, there's a lot of goodwill towards him, and I think in that Best Supporting Actor field, I think he's got a good shot. Right. Best Actor in a Drama went posthumously to Chadwick Boseman for Mara Rainey's Black Bottom. Another film that I like very much, uh, adaptation of a stage play. Uh, it's a sort of jazz era, sort of musical piece starring Vi Viola Davis as well. Now, I think Chadwick Boseman obviously has a big, good shot at the Oscar now as well. Um, I think he could become only, I believe he would be the third actor in the Oscars history to win posthumously if that happens. Uh, you know, obviously that was huge huge tragedy that shook the world when he you know he had kept his uh illness he had uh, cancer i believe kept it very secret and then we only really found out about it after after the fact after yeah. he had died and i think it i think it has shaken people up so much that they really feel that they want to honor him in some way and i wouldn't be at all surprised to see him now go all the way and uh, and win the oscar and it, and i think it it helps this year that there's not a ton of competition you know there's some nice strong performances out there but nothing is really gaining momentum uh and so i think it would be i think that i think he stands a good chance uh elsewhere best actress is also divided into the two categories uh rosamund pike won best actress in a musical comedy for a film called i care a lot which is on netflix right now and is a very dark very uh sharp uh satire on the uh, the health industry the privatized mm. health industry in the US and how that can be exploited and how uh, its patients are wrung dry for all their cash uh, is that's a great sort of comedy thriller that's on uh, Netflix right now and best actress in a drama was uh, was quite a surprising one actually and I want and it's an actress I'm not overly familiar with so I want to just make sure I realize I don't have her name in front of me but it was for uh, Lee Daniels's new film about um, Billie Holiday and I am just padding 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 and right, go find it, it. <laughs> I'm just scrolling down there are so many no. awards and I've gone past it <sighs> Don't worry about it. It'll come back to you. Help him Arla out. Day. Help I think him. her name's Arla Help Day. Him out something if you're like that. Watching or listening. <laughs> Andra Day. Andra Day for the United States versus Billie Holiday, which is a film I haven't seen actually. And by all accounts, uh, the reports are that the film isn't actually very good, but she is very good. Yeah. Although that was a surprise win, I believe. I mean, Viola Davis, previously mentioned for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, is also in that category. Vanessa Kirby in Pieces of a Woman, a film that I felt. Uh, had strengths and weaknesses, but Vanessa Kirby's performance was incredibly strong. Frances McDormand for Nomadland. Yep. But my money that in that category was on Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman, which was a real favourite film of mine. Uh, Promising Young Woman actually got shut out, as did another big sort of um, 
Oscar hopeful is Mank, David Finch's mm. biography of uh, of Mankiewicz, the the screenwriter of uh, Citizen Kane. So it'd be interesting to see how these are echoed come Oscar time, how they are corrected if people feel the need to correct them come Oscar time. Um, but it's 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 interesting, you know, a lot of ver- uh, surprise winners, I think. Let me ask you a question here. So you said a lot of these, you, you didn't sort of glow about this particular uh, thing. Um, some of them might be indications of who's going for Oscars, but are any of them like the kiss of death for the bigger things like the Oscars, do you think? If well, you, if, if you, sorry, if, I don't, I'm not sure. If you storm it home in, well, this, we're talking about the Golden Globes now, but you can talk about any of the yeah. other award ceremonies. Are any of them like kind of bad feng shui for, for the Oscars? <clears throat> oh, you mean if they win here? In, in then general, they, yeah. It will, ruin their, it will ruin their chances. Um, Not entirely. I mean, what I will say is that you have to take the Golden Globe results, these results with a pinch of salt, not least because they do divide up some of the major categories, so you get twice as many nominees. I mean, you look at Uh, who Sacha Baron Cohen, for example, was up against in Best Actor for a Comedy. mm. Uh, James Corden was nominated, uh, like us for The Prom. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda was nominated for Hamilton. Now, Hamilton isn't a film. I don't care who you are. Uh, It's it's fantastic, and it was released uh, sort of as a film would be released. Uh, on Disney Plus around Christmas time, but it's not a film. It's, it's just a live recording of a 2016 performance of the Broadway stage show. With I, the original th- I cast. thought the obvious. I'm thinking, oh, they've made a film of it, but no, that's no, really no, they haven't. Uh, so it, it kind of, in a way, reflects how sort of uh, thin on the ground awards candidates are, uh, especially when you have to fill twice as many slots like you do here. Uh, Hamilton also got a nomination as Best Picture Musical Comedy. That's weird. Uh, it is a musical. That's really It is weird. a musical yeah. and it is, it is funny at times, but it's not a film. It's a film of a stage production, technically. But, it's, but, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's just a recording, a recording of a live stage show and uh, therefore it, doesn't, it just doesn't fit in have, to has, the film. Has anyone jumped up and down about it? Yeah, I mean, people have been jumping up and down about some of the things. I mean, I think one of the categories in particular that got people jumping up and down was Best Foreign Language Film. Okay. Now, it's very careful how you word that category. It's Best Foreign Language Film. Uh, And that was awarded to a film called Minari, which is a Korean-language American film about an immigrant family uh, settling in, I think, I want to say it's Arkansas in the 1980s, and it's it's a sort of autobiographical story from the writer director, mm-hmm. uh, it, and I've seen it. I quite liked it. Some people loved it. It won the main prize at Sundance last January last year, uh, and then has been sort of slowly making its way out. Um, and I think Hong Kong audiences are going to get the opportunity to see it very soon. Uh, this is interesting. I mean, it won here and people were sort of stamping their feet going, it's not a foreign movie, it's an American movie. And it's like, that is true, but it is a foreign language, language movie. And film. then they were saying, yeah. well, then they were saying, well, America doesn't have an official language or something like that. Whatever. And there was a lot of people looking for something to complain about. Uh, that's all obviously seems to have gone quiet after, the, after it won. You know, now that it's won, I think people are kind of just like, okay, well, good. Now, what will be interesting come Oscar time 
is that Minari won't be able to qualify. It's ineligible for this particular character category. This category at the Oscars is called Best International Film and is nominated by the country from which it comes. Now, obviously, this is an American film, so it doesn't qualify for Best International Film. It could qualify for any other category. So you could see Minari nominated for Best Picture. It's all very complicated, this, isn't it? You can see why it, people it go, oh, enough already. Right. Right. Um, but it, so it won here for best foreign language film, even though it's an American film, because it's in Korean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's interesting is that my favorite film of last year, Another Round, uh, starring Mads oh, Mikkelsen, yes. which is a Danish, Danish movie, uh, was nominated here, uh, and I think is still the favorite right now to win best international feature at the Oscars, uh, even though it didn't win the Golden Globe. Okay. It's, yes, it is very, very complicated. Join us on Facebook Live. Love to hear from you. I know we've got the best film critiquing listeners here. I mean, he certainly confused me. He's probably confused you as well. Not you personally, happened, <laughs> but, but, you know, blimey. Ha the Hamilton thing is a, is a bit of an interesting sideways one as well. But anyway, moving on. What else? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, th that is annoying. I mean, all, the other thing apart, apart from the, the, about the Golden Globes is that they also reward television. Oh, gosh. And Netflix, Netflix basically cleaned up... Uh, the Crown won uh, Best Drama Series, Best Actor for Josh O'Connor, who plays Charles, uh, Best Actress for Emma Corrin, who plays uh, Diana, and Best Supporting Actress for Gillian Anderson, who plays Margaret Thatcher. Now, she was an absolute was genius. In, I mean, head and shoulders. Boy, and, oh boy. And I, I do seem to remember saying, as soon as we were talking about that, I was like, watch this space. She's got Golden Globe, possibly even Emmy, all over, all over this. Uh, people want to, she's such, she's one of those actresses who's been around for such so a long good. time is very popular but has never really had yeah had an opportunity to win and I think this is the perfect opportunity um, to give her some gold as it were and, and it seems to have happened here also best limited series mm -hmm. uh, the Queen's Gap the Queen's Gambit another of our big favourites of uh, of last year. And Anya Taylor-Joy, one of the hottest up-and-coming actresses in Hollywood right now. Next going to be seen playing uh, Furiosa in the uh, Mad Max prequel. Uh, she won Best Actress in a Limited Series for the same show. Wonderful. So that's all good stuff. Yeah, indeed it is. All right. Well, we've got about four, four, I'll get my worms out, four minutes before the news. No James Bond. Get your worms out. Yeah, no James Bond <laughs> troop this week. No, not that I can think of off the top of my head. I'm sure there is something out there, but uh, no, we're just waiting, waiting, waiting. It should have been, uh, you know, obviously out about a year ago, uh, uh, currently scheduled for October. Fingers crossed. We all, there's yeah. all these cartoons going around, you know, basically saying something about two, 2047 release of James Bond film, etc., etc. I mean, are people sort of coming off the boil about this? Or like, is it getting into the whatever this category? This is the... Well, this is the this is the danger is that people. I mean, and I think with the James Bond, as we've as we've said, I'm sure they already have the next actor lined up, but they don't want to announce him until or He's currently six <laughs> until until this film is out. Otherwise, people really will not care about this film anymore. But what has happened recently is they've had to do some reshoots, uh, like in the last month or so, because his his gadget phone, I think it's actually a Nokia this time around, uh, is is out of date. 
And Nokia, you know, who obviously stumped up a bunch of cash to be Bond's phone, you know, for the product placement, that's now not their latest model. And so, you know, here we are 18 months after they probably shot it, and they've had to sh reshoot some of those insert close-up shots with a new phone in there because uh, it's, an old, it's an old model now. And this is the problem when you're sitting on all these films for so long. Yeah, yeah. So what are you going to be watching this weekend? Oh, and tell us what you're going to get onto after the news. Okay, after the news, so let's talk about Palm Springs, which we have mentioned a few times before, but it's finally out. Uh, also, Run and Way Down, which is a sort of Spanish co-production uh, heist thriller. Um, this weekend, I'm going to see Raya and the Last Dragon, which is the new is the news of Disney princess movie. Yeah, and uh, I'm quite curious as to what that's about because I know it has a certain degree of Asian flavour to it. Uh, so we'll have to see. But I'm going to see that tomorrow. Right, let's get on it. Where do you want to start for your actual reviews today? Okay, let's go for Palm Springs. Right. Now, uh, regular listeners to the show will have heard me talk about this film a few times. Um, times. It premiered... It, it premiered... It's, okay, well, it, it, if that's the case, then maybe you should tell me about <laughs> 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 Now, this is a film that premiered at Sun, also at Sundance last year, so over a year ago. And it then was made available on um, uh, streaming platforms last summer. Uh, so I think I reviewed it then. Uh, it made it into my top ten list of the year, at the end of the year. And now, finally, it's a casualty of, of COVID, uh, it's finally out in Hong Kong, like I think about six months after it was originally planned. Uh, it is a comedy set in, as the title might suggest, in Palm Springs at a, a wedding. Young couple is married, and her the the bride's older sister is played is named Sarah, played by Kristen Milioti, mm -hmm. uh, who is kind of the black sheep of the family. Uh, she has sort of a bad reputation that she carries around with her, and they've the family have kind of given up hope on her. She meets a guy called Niles at the wedding, played by Andy Samberg. He is the boyfriend, the sort of rather. Uh, a sort of nonplussed uh, boyfriend of the maid of honor, and uh, he seen he's sort of they strike it, strike it off. They seem to be sort of outliers at this wedding, and it's you know sort of rolling their eyes at everything that's going on, and they kind of hook up and disappear off into the desert, uh, where due to certain sort of circumstances. Uh, he disappears into a cave and she is concerned for him and goes after him but the last thing she hears is don't follow me she does follow him of course. anyway and suddenly wakes up and it's the same morning again she goes out finds finds niles and says what has happened why why is it still today and he reveals that he and now she are stuck in one of those infinite time loop scenarios that have you, have you ever noticed that awesome plots develop in movies because somebody was either stupid or or didn't listen or whatever the obvious thing don't follow me three words says it all absolutely well that is why exciting things happen to movie characters and not to normal people exactly. because in normal people in real life you know you wouldn't get stuck in this because if someone said don't follow me you'd be like okay right. especially somebody you no no no, no. don't well. follow me right so, I mean, if you've seen Groundhog Day or anything like that, you get the idea. Uh, you know, they get stuck on a loop. You don't like Groundhog Day? No, it's just like, go on, it's the loop thing. Come on, tell us more about it. It's the loop thing, which is 
you know, if that's not a COVID situation, I don't know what is. You know, you're stuck in the same place. Every day feels the same over and over and over again. You know, obviously this film was not was not made as a reaction to quarantine and lockdown and all the rest of it. But I think um, resonates with a, a 2020 audience. Um, you know, so they realise that they're both stuck in this thing. Niles has been stuck in it for, as he reveals, an inordinate amount of time, so long that he can't even remember, and he's got to the point where he realises that nothing cares, nothing matters, and the only way to maintain your sanity is to embrace the fact that you can just do anything and that nothing uh, you do has any consequences whatsoever. Uh, Sarah is you know more positive she she obviously wants to find a solution find a way out but he he is quite content to kind of sit back and just enjoy the inconsequential nature of his existence mm. you know within this bubble within this realm he can do anything he wants he is invincible if you like oh. uh he can have fun you know it his one day is a fun day you know it is a wedding he's surrounded by people he knows people he can have fun with people he can hook up with whatever he can get drunk have a dance have a party and wake up the next morning and do it all over again with no consequences. And that, he seems quite content to literally live in this bubble. Okay. Uh, now, What's that you know, saying now to you so far? What's it is, you know, if there was a message, a, you know, parable, what would well, it I be? Think, well, you know, the, the story, the message of the film is, is to find and embrace purpose, you know, to not get stuck in a rut, is to ch cherish and uh, celebrate sort of the important things. And, you know, cha change is good. Uh, it's important to have goals. You know, they're fairly broad, fairly simple, simple, things, yeah. simple messages. But it, so it's all about the execution in this film. I mean, you know, this is a, as you, your, your expression uh, rightly um, enunciated, uh, this is a, a genre that we are very with which we are very familiar. You know, uh, and ironically, that is part of the genre. It's dealing with the familiar and with repetition and all the rest of it. This is a film we've seen before, and the, and uh, the film is about watching the same thing over and over and over again. So it's all about how the characters deal with it, how they make the uh, the scenarios uh, different from something like Groundhog Day. So that being said, the filmmakers have a real challenge ahead of them because they too know that there've well, been do. a handful of these movies before, and wow, we're going to be different. Absolutely. Absolutely, you know, and they know that you know really good examples of this story already exist. So what are they going to bring to it? And what they do bring to it uh, are a couple of very sort of strong, very likable performances. Uh, they're very sort of different characters, uh, quite dare I say, sort of unlikable characters, uh, which and it's which is um, even more reason to celebrate the performances because they make them they make unlikable characters very likable. Uh, I was reading something just the other day they described Tennessee Williams as being really good at uh, creating unlikable characters that are still very sort of compelling and yeah and you don't quite of, know uh, what to do attractive. with yourself do you you kind of yeah and, I, and I'm a sucker for the anti-hero yeah. right and so Niles is this completely sort of nihilistic uh, wastrel if you like you know who has resigned himself to living a purposeless existence. Mm. Uh, whereas Sarah is somebody who, who everything she has ever done has seemingly been to, very self-serving and has uh, sort of made enemies everywhere and destroyed her relationships with everybody else. So she is, it's almost like she is somebody who has been living this life in the real world mm. and it has caused okay. nothing but problems. Right. He has found a bubble where he can be, you know, selfish and self-serving and nihilistic and uh, indulgent and compulsive and all the rest of it and it has no impact whatsoever. So it's about these two you know characters 
and how they come, you know, how they address this way of life in different situations and what they do about it. It's it's a lot of fun. It's very smart. Uh, it's very witty. Like I said, the characters are very sort of attractive, uh, if not immediately likable. And it's a lot of fun. And it takes some interesting, uh, interesting twists and, t- twists and turns Along and comes way. to a satisfying conclusion. All right, yeah. and I was surprised. I was very surprised how much I liked it, considering... It's treading some very familiar ground. All right, then. Let's move on. But that is, that is, yeah, that's Palm Springs, and it's in cinemas right now. Okay, let's talk about uh, Way Down, which is also known as The Vault in some territories. Now, this is basically a Spanish movie made in English and emulating big Hollywood heist movies. All right. Okay, so it's a story. Liam Cunningham, who you will know from Game of Thrones and pretty much any other movie, uh, he's one of these guys who shows up. You'll be like, oh, it's that guy from everything. Uh, he plays a guy called Walter, who is a salvage expert who has been hunting for a, some long lost Spanish Armada treasure. And uh, he he knows that the there are some coins that have the location of that treasure, and but they are locked up in the secret underground vault of the Bank of Spain in Madrid. Right. So he puts a team together in order to break into that vault. Now this team includes um, Tom, played by Freddie Highmore. Freddie Highmore yeah. is a child actor 18. who's now in his early twenties. You know him from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Finding Neverland and August Rush and films like that. And it's weird kind of seeing him as an adult because I haven't seen that Bates Motel TV show where he plays the uh, Norman Bates. Uh, so he is a sort of Cambridge uh, hotshot uh, engineering student who's been turning down multi-million dollar job offers left and right because he wants something fresh. He wants an adventure and he is approached by this team of, you know nefarious ne'er-do-wells who offer him some excitement and he goes okay so they go to madrid now as luck would have it it's 20 it's 2010 that this film is happening in and it's right during the world cup finals which were obviously taking place in south africa but spain as you may recall were having a rather purple patch a rather rare run of good form and they actually went on it's no secret to win the tournament now in true italian job style the day they they have to to pull off the heist coincides with the World Cup final, so the the crowds and the, the streets outside the bank the bank bank of Spain are teeming with hundreds of thousands of World Cup revelers, uh, you know, there to watch the Spain uh, Holland game, and they've got to pull off this daring heist all the while. Right. Now, so obviously this evokes this evokes everything from you know Ocean's Eleven to the Thomas Crown Affair to like I said the Italian Job. Uh, and and it's quite open, you know. It actually sort of pays lip service to some of these movies. Uh, you know, this, uh, yeah, I mean, what this film does, however, is illustrate just how difficult it is to pull off one of those movies, to make one of those sort of slick, sexy, stylish, exotic uh, movies. Uh, you've, they've, they've got the locations and they've got a decent plot, but what you really need for one of those movies is very sexy stars and very stylish execution. Mm. What you get... What you get is competent execution, not quite as enough, enough money as they perhaps needed. And I've got to be honest, when they're up there on screen, not really that sexy a cast. <laughs> and, and, you know, it sounds a terrible thing to criticise your cast for, but they're, they're kind of just not good looking enough and stylish <laughs> enough to be in really, a movie really like this. Looking. 
Exactly. There's, there are no Zoolanders. But, you know, when you're watching sort of Ocean's Eleven and you, you're looking at George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Matt Damon, Julia Roberts, Catherine Zeta-Jones, or you're looking at one of the Mission Impossible movies where they're t- pulling off these heists, and you've got your Tom Cruise and your Maggie Q and your Jonathan Rhys-Meyers or, uh, you know, whoever they, else they have. in that. But it's, it's three that it reminded me of particularly because where they do that heist at the Vatican. Um, or, or the Thomas Crown Affair, you know, yeah, both versions. You've got Steve McQueen and Faye Dunaway, or you've got Pierce Brosnan and Rene Russo. These films are, are, are sexy films, really. You know, they're very cool, they're very stylish, they're very good looking. This film really wants to be one of these films, but it, it's like, they, I, would, I would have almost, and I hate, I hate to say this, it really sort of um, <laughs> Come <on>. contradicts, contradicts <laughs> my, my integrity to say so, but I would almost rather they went with less accomplished actors who just looked a bit cooler <laughs> rather than these sort of very reliable, uh, you know, working, working actors who are just a bit kind of bleh, ugly blokes to look at. Right. Uh, it also um, has, <laughs> the, it has the misfortune... Now. It also has the misfortune of arriving in the wake of the Netflix show Money Heist. Oh, now that, that I must admit, I haven't seen Money Heist. And everyone says it was great. And it's a long-form, sort of four-season-long Spanish drama about a team that, that first uh, pulls off a heist at the Spanish Mint, and then they go on to pull off a heist at the exact same vault of the Bank of Spain. Uh, and now this, this vault is a particularly famous one because... Uh, in case of emergency, it, it floods, okay. it self-floods, uh, and nobody quite knows how the mechanism works, it's hundreds of years old, blah, 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 blah. And so it's almost got like a Da Vinci Code style, dare I say even sort of Indiana Jones, national treasure kind of vibe to it, because it's, you know, it's working within the confines of sort of historical art and mechanisms and... and uh, mechanics yeah. that are, are, now, are now antiquated. And you know, seeing if you can navigate through those. Now, season three of Money Heist is all about breaking into this exact same vault, and apparently pulls it off much better. I haven't seen it. So, the vault, aka Way Down, this movie, it's fine. But you sit there watching the whole thing, going, "Oh, if only, if only they had a bit more money to do that sequence a bit more stylishly, or that that actor, someone a little more attractive, or you know, it's it's a film that." is lying in the gutter looking at the stars, if you like. It's emulating far better movies, but all it does is expose sort of its own imperfections. All right, well, you had me up there. <laughs> yeah, by no means is it, is it bad. Yeah. It's just not nearly as good as it needs to be to compete with the big boys it so desperately wants to. Point made, point taken. Let's do our final one. Okay, so Run is uh, the new film from Anish... Chiganti, who directed Searching, you might remember a couple of years ago, we starred John Cho as a uh, sort of desperate father looking for his missing daughter, and the whole thing was using uh, iPhone screens and computer screens. Like yep. the entire movie is made up of, of of his search history, essentially, as he's trying to find what happened to his daughter. This almost feels like a a sort of a postscript to that theme, where it's all about uh, sort of over the dangers of overprotective parenting, mm. and it's essentially like what the, the premise that is the, the question that it poses is: what if um, the the person on upon whom you most rely and most depend is the person trying to hurt you? Yeah, uh, it stars it stars a newcomer, uh, Kira Allen who uh, plays Chloe, who is a teenager, but who's dealing with all kinds of 
uh, illnesses, you know, compounding on, on, on one on top of the other to the degree that she is wheelchair bound and homeschooled. Mm. And so she barely gets the opportunity to leave her house and she has to take all of these drugs many, many times a day and do these sort of physio routines. And her mother, played by Sarah Paulson, is her primary caregiver. Uh, now she's, she's graduating from high school, albeit, you know, homeschooled. And she's starting to apply for universities. And then she's starting to sort of, as she's starting to sort of explore the boundaries of her immediate surroundings, she starts to suspect that maybe her mother isn't telling her everything yeah. and that something is not right. Suffice to say, this film pretty much beat for beat follows the template laid out by Misery. Uh the Rob Reiner adaptation of the Stephen King novel, you know, where there was a, a famous author is rescued from a car wreck by his number one fan, who then proceeds to keep him prisoner in her home. And then there's that one scene. Yeah, yeah, where he, yes, the hobbling. Uh, and so if, if one you know, scene. it's not a case... <laughs> It's not just a case of the director here has watched that film. It it really almost feels like a remake. It's just like every single thing is is the same, except that the dynamic between the characters are different. Now it's now it's a mother and daughter, right. and it's a mother who just cannot bear essentially to let her daughter go. And it uh, it go what it does is it is it recognizes what kind of movie it is. It, it recognizes that its sources are in the horror genre, and it is. For willing to fully embrace the fact that okay, I'm a cheesy, crazy psycho horror movie, and I'm gonna I'm gonna amp up the crazy rather than lecture you on parenting techniques. And for <laughs> that, uh, I I appreciated it. So it's it's overly familiar, uh, but it, and it's but it's crazy, but it knows it's crazy. Is that your is that your oven saying? Your cake, your that is my, dehumid my dehumidifier <laughs> has just hit full. We, so we've bing, hit bing, full bing. too. Well done, James. Brilliant stuff. Quick reminder, what was on today's list? Okay, do go see Palm Springs. Uh, there's also the Spanish heist movie Way Down and the schlocky crazy, crazy mum thriller Run. Nice one, James. We'll do it all again next week at the same time for some more Marshy Movie Time. Mm -hmm.